This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to episode one of Rebuttal, where we break down cases, calamity, and chaos in the legal field. My name is Reb Maisel, your host of this podcast, and if you are coming over from TikTok, from Twitter, from Instagram, thank you so much for your support, for your love. I couldn't be more grateful. And specifically, if you are one of the people who has been bullying me relentlessly for the last two years to start a podcast, to do a show, to post long-form content on YouTube like this, thank you so much for your help. Couldn't have done it without you. And for those of you listening on a podcast platform right now, amazing, perfect, awesome, gorgeous, know that we're also on YouTube, okay? If you would like the full effect of seeing my hand motions, seeing my eye expressions, seeing the facial journey that I take you on when I break down this case, hop on over there. But if not, okay, if I'm joining you on audio only, okay, you're not a visual person, totally fine. If I am with you on your morning commute specifically, okay, maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're on an airplane. Know that this might, this might hit home for y'all, this case today, because like many of you, I I fly. I fly a lot. I am on on a plane all the time, and I do enjoy it. Okay, and do I do like flying? Um, and and like many of you who who also fly, whether it be sometimes or or very often, you are also very very proud of our TSA. Okay, our frontline defense to all things foreign and domestic, okay, that, that happens in the air. You are very confident in those, in those soldiers, those foot soldiers we have, manning, manning the gate, manning that line, okay? You have not a single worry or qualm or doubt in the world as to TSA's effectiveness, TSA's rigid, rigid structure, and very very high-risk environments. Um, I will say that before reading this case, I I thought I thought we were I thought we were tight. I thought we were keeping it tight. I thought we were keeping it upstanding. I thought, I assumed, wrongfully so, that we were keeping everything up to par. Okay. That no one was breaking through our ranks. Okay. Red Rover, Red Rover, not a single one of you are going to come over without getting through TSA. But but unfortunately for for you and I, for me mostly, I did not realize that TSA was held together with fucking scotch tape. Okay, before I read this case. And and mind you, all right, mind you, this this might not be a commentary. This one right not all ca- not all TSA agents, not all I totally understand. Okay, totally get it. But but I will say, okay, for all the days of, of the year that I cannot comment on about TSA's strength and structure, 
I can say that a few, but possibly several, days that occurred that went on at TSA in Chicago, Illinois, before someone got on an airplane, were absolutely those days where scotch tape was the only thing standing between us and someone waltzing onto an airplane with whatever the fuck they wanted to bring. Let's get into it. Okay, this is United States versus Flint. Let me set the scene. Imagine a man, okay, a man with no luggage, right? Definitely not weird at all, okay? On on a warm day in July 2017, July 20th specifically, in Chicago, Illinois, he is in a suit, maybe, a weird top hat, or maybe he's just in running clothes. I would like to imagine he's in a weird fucking suit and an even crazier top hat, okay? It just fits character. He, oobly doobly's, he Ubers to Chicago O'Hare International Airport, and he walks up to the gate agent. Mind you, again, reminder, it's 2017, okay? 2017. He walks up to the gate agent, and he says, hi, hey, can I please have a ticket? One-way ticket, actually, to LAX, Los Angeles International Airport. Again, weird top hat suit no luggage that that we can currently see and the gate agent says of course oh my god sure here you go oh my god that's crazy here you go and he says oh my god thank you so much and he he takes his one-way fucking ticket okay and he walks over waltzes over to to security now now mind you right this is this is where things get a little crumbly but don't crumble completely so o'hare tsa i see you i feel you i hear you You didn't fuck it up all the way, but we'll get there. He walks up to O'Hare security and he says, hi, and gives them his ticket and says, hey, so hilarious, really cute x-ray machine you have over there. That's adorable. I don't have to put my shit into there. No, I do not. I'm a foreign diplomat and I have a foreign diplomatic pouch with me that cannot buy the laws of the Geneva Convention. He literally says that. By the laws of the Geneva Convention, you cannot search, you cannot see, you cannot look into, you cannot manhandle. And he takes out this, this diplomatic pouch, quote unquote, okay? And, and eyewitness reports say that this pouch looks like a, a, a trapper keeper, okay? It looks like a fourth grade pencil pouch. It looks like something that is so not official. It... A, a kindergartner could have picked it out, right? They could have been like, did I drop that in line? What the fuck? It, it, it has like a weird, like clear screen on the front of it that, that has like someone wrote a piece of paper, like confidential, important, like foreign diplomat, okay? Literally like Sharpie marker, foreign diplomatic pouch, pasted it on there and was like, this is my fucking pouch. And, and TSA goes, oh my God, perfect. A foreign diplomat, so nice to meet you. You you need to actually give us a, a foreign diplomatic passport to get through. And he was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Here is my International Human Rights Commission identification card. Okay. Eyewitness accounts say the shit was fucking laminated. Was printed by a home computer. It literally said foreign diplomatic identification card. Ent- enter. International Human Rights Commission. Enter. For real. We swear. Pinky fucking swear. This shit's legit. Okay? He pulls out this laminated, super forged piece of bullshit and his weird fucking definitely sketchy pouch and says, let me through. You don't have to search this pouch. And and the TSA agents at O'Hare, they were keeping it tight. Okay? They were keeping it tight. They were like, you know what? We're loving this. We really are vibing with you. We're so, so sorry, though. Unfortunately, um, in order for you to be exempt from screening, specifically for that fucking weird pouch that's super sketchy, absolutely going to probably start ticking in a moment pouch, in order for that to not be screened as fuck, you have to give us and present to us a valid diplomatic passport. And you have not. This cute laminated little little piece isn't doing it for us. But thank you so much for playing. 
And they basically, right, say, thank you so much, dab his ass up, say better luck next time. And he goes, okay, well, I don't have any of that. So bye. And they go, bye. And he leaves. He, he leaves. And then he Ubers, he ubly doobly's, right on over to, to an airport called Midway in Chicago. For those of you not familiar with Chicago, Chicago has two airports. Okay, two. Dose. O'Hare International Airport and Mid Midway International Airport. Both of them are within driving distance, right? Maybe like 40 minutes, right? They're close. They're in the same fucking city. Our boy, Daniel Flint, is his name. He gets denied at O'Hare and walks right out the door with his weird suit and his dumb hat and drives to Midway and does the same exact thing, tries the same thing. Gate agent, take the LAX. Oh my God, no way. Walks to security. I'm a foreign diplomat. International Human Rights Commission, period. Except at Midway, okay, the scotch tape came out. And at Midway, he pulled out his homemade lamination kit, his super forged bullshit that said, I am a foreign diplomat heart, and his weird, super sketchy pouch, super not official at all. And probably the intern that day was like, I feel like he's good. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like he's like, he's like a really nice guy. You know what I mean? Like, this seems super official. Like, he just like, he seems really, he's like really convincing. You know what I mean? She's like, come on through. Let's his ass in right this way. He, on that day, July 20th, 2017, he gets on, successfully gets on a plane from Chicago to Los Angeles, California without anyone searching or screening or knowing anything about what's inside this weird yay sized pouch. Okay. And for those of us not watching on YouTube, watching me try to tell you how big this pouch is, it's not very big. Okay. It's not very big. It's like a big fucking makeup bag. Okay. Probably. But, but the idea of that is that literally imagine all of the things that could fit in this fucking makeup bag. Think, use your brain, use your noggin. A lot of illicit things, a grenade, maybe, uh, a, a pasta salad, drugs, cash, a dog, a gopher, anything. I mean anything. And no one knew what was on it. And no one gave a shit. Because he, the first time he did this, at least as far as we know, the first time he did this, probably was more. Sorry, TSA, for outing y'all. I know you wanted to keep this under wraps, but mm, he, on this first time, air quotes, Landed successfully at LAX, okay? And and that's all we know. That was his one-way tick. He was good. Only a few short days later, okay? A few short days later. He does this again, okay? He shows right back up five days later on July 25th, 2017, back in Chicago. We don't know how he got back to Chicago. We're just assuming he teleported. Look. He's, he's a mover and a, go, and, a go, and a goer, okay? He's moving around. He's getting, he's getting after it. He shows back up at Midway again in Chicago, Illinois, and says, hi, in his dumb suit and his weird hat and his fucking super sketchy taped together trapper keeper fucking pouch and says, hey, could I please have one one-way ticket to LAX? And the gate agent says, yeah, no way. Sure thing. There's going to be a bit of a layover in Minneapolis, though. Is that okay? And he's like, it's totally fine. She's like, okay, period. So she hands him his ticket and he goes to TSA and he does the same song and dance. Okay. Hi, I'm a foreign diplomat. No, you're not. No, I pinky swear I am. Here's my laminated fucking thing. Here's my weird fucking pouch. Let me through. And they say, okay. And they let him through without searching his little pouch. He gets on this flight. Okay. He gets on this flight to Minneapolis and he successfully lands and he chills. Okay, I can imagine he moseyed around, went to the bathroom. Maybe he got a magazine, right? Maybe maybe got a mag to peruse through. And and still, right? Still no words, still no flags, 
raised, no alarm sounded um, from from our good our good foot soldiers at TSA at Midway. Okay, they were like, that shit sounded legit. Why is it our problem? He walks on to his second flight of the day, right? His first flight went from Midway to Minneapolis. His second one from Minneapolis to LAX. He walks on that flight, okay? Gets on it. They they take off. They're in the air, okay? He probably has his seat back, chair reclined, okay? His seatbelt's on. Let's imagine it's a beautiful day. He's laying down. He's waiting for another gin and tonic, right? His GNT. And And someone, I can only hope was the intern okay just for a little redemption arc redemption story someone from tsa at midway they're on break and they're thinking was that shit re- like was that really this that was really what all they needed to get through was that was that correct right was that call proper it's like a referee after a football game right i'm sure they're kept up at night about right the 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 incompletes that they should have ruled complete like look right you're running through the day and you're thinking what calls did I make and not make but unfortunately right this isn't a fucking football game this is literally our national security this is these are planes these are planes they are not trains they are not automobiles they are planes going into the air and and going going around our our country to our big cities and and the people on it and what they take on it is is unfortunately in the wheelhouse of of one administration, one department. And 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 the intern, I can only imagine, it was the intern at lunch over a bad ham sandwich was like, holy fuck, I feel like we I feel like we botched that one. I have a bad fucking feeling about that one. So she went over, okay, I'm only imagining. She went over to the big fucking book that they probably have, okay, they're like standard operation book situation and she flips it open to the foreign ambassador page and she goes oh my oh my god oh no he was he was supposed to give us a passport wasn't he fuck he was he was did he he did not no he did not he gave us a laminated piece of shit forged ass thing so so what i'm also imagining is that she right in realizing that Let's say it's her second week on the job, okay? Imagine her having to go tell her fucking supervisor, like, hey, I'm imagining her walking over, tapping her supervisor on the shoulder and going, sweating, just almost in tears, like, hey, um, so you know how you told me that, um, if things, if, if so, so call some, so call somebody. So we should, I don't know, page 47, and he's like, what the fuck? the fuck are you talking about what and she's like call the fbi call the fbi we should call them like it's not like totally my fault because like you trained me but like maybe we should like call them okay (laughs) so so the supervisor our intern our lovely our lovely tsa agents our foot soldiers okay at at midway raise the fucking alarm right of course they do there is currently someone in the air in the air in U.S. airspace on a flight from Minneapolis to Los Angeles to LAX with a yay-sized, a makeup bag-sized pouch full of who the fuck knows and probably a fake ID reclining in a chair with a G&T in hand having no fucking idea that the whole weight of the federal bureau of investigations is going to be scrambling scrambly dambling to to find to find him to get him right waiting for that flight to land i'm imagining that when this call was made okay imagine this call from midway to lax saying hey get your fucking people on the ground and ready to intercept this fool and the and fbi is probably like oh okay federal marshal period um what the fuck why did you let him through how don't ask questions it's not really like the like who really cares about the why or like the how you know what i mean it's just like it's just like the 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 what right the what is currently happening so it's not really like let's not like blame let's not like play the blame game right it's not like pointing fingers at this point let's just like intercept him you know what i mean like i feel like we all could have done it like i'm sure the excuses were flying okay but what really kills me is that this man, 
was on this flight, okay, from Minneapolis to LAX, reclining in his chair, having no fucking idea that I'm sure, and this is just a guess, I'm fucking sure that they somehow, someway alerted the the captain of the flight, right? They alerted the flight crew to the sitch from the ground. There's no way in my mind that they wouldn't have done that because if this guy, right, was really planning on doing some kind of terror activity, of course they're going to want to keep an extra super close eye on him or of course they're going to want to have like the flight crew like shadow boxing in the back and like the bathroom, you know what I mean? Like they, they need to be ready. They need to be warmed up. They need to be like ready to fucking go if shit hits the fan if they aren't able to land this bitch safely without something going on. So, so I'm imagining him like pressing the fucking call button to like get get another water and they're just sweating hello sir not not allowed to like alert him to the situation because what if he pop the right if he, what if he goes off what if he clicks whatever button that's ticking in the in the pouch who knows they're having to like serve him and wait on him and chill ch- just just wide i just keep it cool keep it calm cool collected around this pool while they are thousands of feet in the air hoping that this bitch can land safely well fortunately for everyone on the flight, okay, including our boy, Mr. Daniel Flint, it does land safely at LAX, okay? It does land safely. It lands at Terminal 3, specifically, okay? FBI agents, law enforcement officials arrived at, at his boarding gate, okay? Approximately 15, 20 minutes before his flight landed at LAX. They arrived and they swarmed. Of course they swarmed. They they didn't even let the doors breathe. They opened that shit. They walked right onto the flight to his seat. Okay, let's say it was 24F. He's buckled in and they're like, hi, come with us. And eyewitnesses basically say that he was like, period, unbuckles the seatbelt, walks off, right? No fighting, no, no big show. He was just like, word. It's about time, right? Which is not really, not really the reaction that I am comfy with. I want him to be like really pissed, really off his rocker. I want him to make it seem like this is the first time he's tried it out and he's gonna, it's a one and done time thing, right? He is ready to see it through. His reaction to me of basically letting them escort his ass off this plane in a very nonchalant manner makes it very much seem like this was not only his second time doing this, but maybe several times doing this, maybe hundreds of times doing this, maybe so many times we've lost count, right? And so so at this point, he's like, oh, finally, you know, like, damn, scoreboard. That's horrifying and terrifying. But good news for us, good news for, for TSA, okay, though this one almost got away. Almost. Not this time, though. Good for you guys. It only took you two fucking times on paper that you're willing to admit to to have noticed that this guy wasn't a fucking foreign diplomat. Congrats. Um, so so FBI, law enforcement, escort our boy Daniel Flint off the plane. They take him to a back room. They say, hey, um, so you're not um, a foreign diplomat. True or false? And he was like, false. I totally am. International Human Rights convention commission committee whatever the fuck that's absolutely what i'm doing he argued with them for two hours okay about him being foreign diplomat he kept like holding on to his dumb fucking pouch being like no you can't look at it this is international human rights law you can't look at this i'm a foreign diplomat i'm official he was cooperative but again continue to assert no 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 i'm a diplomat they even the fbi agents even went so far as to let him call the ambassador, quote unquote, to basically confirm, yeah, no, it's him. Like, he's good to go. I don't know who he called, right? He phoned a friend. He phoned a fucking friend. The FBI lets you phone a friend? Unbeknownst to me. Unbeknownst to everyone else. The FBI lets you phone a fucking friend, Okay. He found a friend and the friend was like, no, yeah, he's definitely a fucking official. Who knows if it was his brother, his friend, his mom, who fucking knows. <laughs> Some guy at Domino's promised he'd Venmo him if he just pretend to be a foreman. Di- Look, I like to make up shit. But regardless, what's not made up is he absolutely found a friend, said he was an ambassador. The FBI agents eventually after a while were like, OK, got the shit. 
this is cute and fun. This has been hilarious, but what's in the bag? Finally got him to open the bag. It was like padlocked again with like a shitty trapper keeper, like middle school locker padlock. Open it up and discovered there was no grenade. There was no sketchy device, weapon, child, baby. What there was in there was approximately $148,145 in U.S. cash stuffed into plastic shopping bags. They were like, okay, you're flying with a lot of money. What's that about? He was like, I won't tell you. I won't tell you what it's about. Like, don't worry about it. Again, I'm still a foreign diplomat. And they were like, okay, word. So they brought in the drug dogs. They brought in the drug dogs. They sniffed out his his pouch, his situation, the cash, and and they alerted, right, to some drugs. So So basically, okay, after confirming that he indeed wasn't a diplomat, they called the United States Department of State, confirmed he had no diplomatic status. Uh, literally called like the department's office of foreign foreign missions like they called up everybody okay they were like hey do you know this guy and they were like we have no fucking idea that how could how was this not something you could have found out like literally back at midway but okay go off so so after all of this okay they basically deduced they basically discerned they basically presumed and assumed that he was running money for drug lords for cartels okay because transporting large amounts of cash back and forth in the mail, super sketch, okay? Obviously, U.S. Postal Service can open that shit anytime they want. It can get lost. It's fucking cash. Driving it, a bit of an inconvenient trip, right? A bit of a fucking haul. Flying it, you, you aren't technically prohibited from flying with large amounts of cash, okay? That's definitely not like a hmm, hard X rule or whatever. Wow. <laughs> but... They will probably ask some questions, okay? They'll ask some cues. They'll ask some cues. And it does light up like a Christmas tree in the x-ray machine. They know what cash looks like in an x-ray. And $146,000 worth of cash, forty-eight. wow, $148,000 worth of cash, that would definitely alert when the drug dogs come sniffing. You'd probably want to break out the shitty laminated foreign ambassador receipt certificate, right? Rather than risk the chance of being of being growled at by a German shepherd. I don't know. I'm not really a cartel member. Can't really get in their heads, but I'm sure that it must have been, must have been worth it, right? The risk-benefit analysis must have been done because, I mean, look, he already made it. We know for sure he made it successfully once from Midway to LAX one time without anyone knowing where he went after, without anyone knowing how he got back to Chicago five days later to book this other trip right on fucking back. It's it's not great. It's not great for for our 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 foot soldiers over at TSA. It's not it's not perfect. It's not it's not giving airtight. It's not giving upstanding. It's giving a little loosey goosey, right? It's giving sloppy Joe, if you ask me. Um, especially considering it feels like in the fucking big ass booklet of rules. Okay, that they have for foreign ambassadors, there's a checklist, like a one, two, three punch, okay, that they need to check off. And the main one is always the foreign diplomatic passport. And that was the one thing he did not have. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So why is this interesting? Why is this case interessante and funny and hilarious and also bonkers and also intriguing from me to you is because also of what happened after, okay? Let's get into it. 
He was indicted, our boy Daniel Flynn was indicted on one count for entering an airport area, a sterile area of an airport in violation of security requirements under 49 United States Code Section 46314A, B2. What that means for all of you is that we are all prohibited from willfully and knowingly entering a sterile area of an airport in violation of TSA security requirements. What is a sterile area of an airport, you ask? I will tell you. A sterile area is defined as a portion of an airport where passengers have access to boarding aircraft and to which the access generally is controlled by the Transportation Security Administration, aka the restricted fucking areas, okay, the hot spots. A tarmac, for example, the walkway when you're boarding, okay, that little tube that you are stuck in that someone always fucking rips ass in. Yeah, that one, that's sterile in every other sense of the word. On a plane, sterile area. Past security, sterile area. In security, okay, while you're being screened, sterile area. In the Starbucks, right in front of your gate, sterile fucking area, okay? That is a sterile area of an airport. It's it's a bit loosely defined, okay, as basically just like most fucking places in an airport, of course. Um, but yeah, that's what that is. You are not <laughs> allowed to willingly, voluntarily, knowingly enter a sterile area in violation of TSA rules, which includes not being screened, not having all your luggage, your person, yourself, everything screened. His, Daniel Flint's, little haphazard fucking pouch was not screened. No, it was not. And also, he entered, okay, the airport without giving them an ID that made any fucking sense, without giving him them, you know, credentials that made any sense. He lied his ass off. Okay, he lied his fucking ass off. That is a felony. We love a felony. We don't. A felony offense that carries with it up to 10 years imprisonment. All right. So it's a, it's like big. It's like a big deal. He was ultimately convicted by a jury of his peers in in Los Angeles. Okay. He was indicted and charged. Wow. He's indicted and tried in Los Angeles. This is key for what's interesting about this later. The district attorney and the prosecutor had to prove that the defendant entered an airport area, a sterile area, of Terminal 3 at Los Angeles International Airport. Number one. Number two, that the defendant did so in violation of security requirements and regulations prescribed under the U.S. Code. So essentially, in violation of what the TSA fucking tells you to do. Three, that the defendant acted willingly and knowingly, meaning he fucking knew what he was fucking doing and he voluntarily did it. And four, the defendant also acted with the intent to evade that regulation. So he, whatever he was doing, was like, I'm going to do this for the purpose and intent of, of, of fooling those fools, which he did. Congrats. October 19, 2018, the jury found defendant Daniel Flynn guilty of intentionally evading airport security requirements in violation of the U.S. codes that they fucking cited. And and he was, convi- he was convicted, right? Okay. So immediately after that, Flint, his attorneys, his federal public defenders, file a motion for a judgment of acquittal, meaning that they file a motion to the court, to the judge, saying, hey, the jury's decision was kind of bonkers. Right. That shit was in not gas. That shit was not a vibe. It was not a moment. And and actually, um, there was not there was not sufficient evidence to sustain a conviction. And the jury should have known that, but they didn't. And they're a bunch of regular idiots. So we're petitioning to the judge to basically tell the jury that y'all fucked up and to set aside my acquittal. I mean, wow, to set aside my verdict and give me a judgment of acquittal, please. And thank you. His attorneys, okay, our boy Flint's attorneys, gave some pretty, I don't want to say great, I just mean arguments that make you think, okay? Because I told you, right, I set the scene for y'all. Y'all are probably thinking, oh, of course, right? Easy, one and done. Like, he definitely evaded that shit. He definitely did all that. Um, uh, What's 
how is there even an argument here? Well, that's where lawyers come in. Flint's attorneys argued first that the statute he was charged under, okay, the statute that he was indicted under, which again, may I remind you, prohibits any person from entering the so-called sterile area of an airport without complying with the systems, measures, or procedures being applied to control access to or, or presence or movement in such area, okay? Enter is the key word here. His lawyers argued, one, that statute only criminalizes an individual's initial entry into a sterile area. And because Daniel Flint's initial entry occurred at Midway International Airport in Chicago, Illinois, he cannot be convicted of violating that statute here at LAX. Interesting. Let's keep going. Number two, his lawyers argued that the government, the prosecutor, failed to meet its evidentiary burden because they did not present any evidence as to whether or not our boy Daniel Flint was ever screened during his layover at Minneapolis, okay, in Minneapolis International Airport. Number three, his argue, wow, his argues, his lawyers argued that the prosecutor failed to present sufficient evidence to prove Daniel Flint knowingly, knowingly, and willfully entered a sterile area of Terminal 3 at LAX. I'll get into it in a second. And number four, the evidence is insufficient to show that Daniel Flint violated a specific security requirement because TSA standard operating procedures are super secret. And how could anyone know what those are since they're secret? You can't just say, don't go into a sterile area, you violate our regulations, and then like not tell us what those regs are. So let's break down his first argument. His first argument is that, number one, I didn't fucking enter at LAX. No, I did not. I entered the sterile area at Midway, okay, on that same day. After that, I was merely a cog in the wheel, all right? I was not, dri I was not driving that plane. I was not piloting that aircraft. I did not myself flintstone the fucking gas to make that plane move onto the tarmac at lax no i did not indeed i was merely sitting with my gnt and my recliner all the way fucking back chilling and and look if i didn't have anything to do with that entry at lax specifically you gotta be you gotta be specific you gotta be technical in the law okay you can't charge me with such a thing these these are all, you know, the kinds of hairs that we split for a reason. I entered at Midway. You should have charged me and indicted me at Midway and you didn't. Uh, so the whole thing, the whole conviction should be thrown out. And the government responded to that argument by saying, um, so your your action, okay, regardless of your initial entry, at, at Midway, um, your action of bringing the unscreened bag, your cute little trapper keeper fucking pouch, into Terminal 3 of LAX constituted a separate violation of this statute since, quote, where the plane parked, the boarding ramp, and the interior of the terminal are all sterile areas of Terminal 3 at LAX. And a bunch of evidence was put forth to support that. They had... A, a a TSA okay agent all right at LAX the the main VP whoever okay our our governor our general of the ship at LAX TSA to testify and say in the record quote the sterile area does include the airfield and the aircraft when you arrive at your destination airport the jet bridge and the area you walk into is still sterile regardless of the amount of crop dusting going on within those areas regardless of the smell regardless of the screaming, regardless of the noise, it is sterile in every other sense. Um, the court said neither Section 46314A nor the applicable TSA regulations specify that entry, quote-unquote, into a sterile area may occur only once. Instead, as the government, the prosecutor points out, our boy Flint's entry into a sterile area at Midway Airport with an unscreened bag and his subsequent entry into a sterile area at LAX with the same unscreened bag are all entries in violation of that statute. So 
What that means is that although you can craft an interesting argument, you can be creative, you can be cute about, mm, well, I didn't, I didn't fly that bitch into LAX. I only entered at Midway. Um, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Sorry, but, but, but creative, right? Love that for you. Love that for them. And they look, they have three more, they have three more points to make. So that was point one. Okay. Did not, did not win that one. Big L. They're over. They're, they're over one. Um, the second one talking about the layover. Okay. Remember that layover in Minneapolis where he, he, he bought a mag. Okay. Magazine, maybe, maybe a Starbucks. Okay. Maybe went to the bathroom, took a pee break. During that layover, um, you know, we don't know. The Lord can only tell us what he was doing during that layover. The government apparently during the three-day trial didn't really put on any fucking evidence about what he was doing at that layover, okay? We can only assume and connect the dots. And the jury was basically told to assume and connect the dots that he just fucking uh, left, okay, uh, the Minneapolis airport, entered the plane at that at that airport and, and went to LAX still with that unscreened fucking bag. Okay. He didn't get patted down on the way, on the way to Starbucks. Okay. Well, well, Flint, our boy, our boy Flint argued, um, hello, pause, 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 cut the cameras. The government, the prosecutor failed to prove that my pouch had not been screened during my layover in Minneapolis. I'm sorry. Okay. No one, put on any evidence that told any of you that prior to my final arrival at LAX, I evaded more security. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't. Maybe someone opened my fucking shit, put it through the x-ray, saw that it was money, said, oh my God, good for you. You win at craps a lot. You're really good at blackjack and, and sent me on my way. And in that case, the reason why it's relevant, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, is, is because, again, the jurisdiction and the location and the venue of where you are charged with shit is important because he wasn't convicted. He was convicted by this jury of specifically violating the sterile area statute at LAX. If he had been screened at Minneapolis for whatever fucking reason and however he could have been, then he by definition would not have been violating that statute at LAX. Still at Midway for sure. Midway is a fucking crapshoot. He got nothing. He, he has nothing to say about Midway. But again, LAX. If his shit has been screened, why is he in trouble for getting on a plane and going to LAX? His shit was screened. Um, so he's arguing, yo, uh, the prosecution presented, quote, no evidence whatsoever regarding my layover at Minneapolis following my departure from Midway. There is no chain of logic, quote unquote, which would permit the reasonable inference that defendant Flint, Flinty Flint, entered Terminal 3 of LAX with an unscreened bag. Now, to look, look, I, I don't really want to, I don't really want to play favorites here. And I definitely don't, especially when it comes to the prosecution. I, they're never my favorite. But um, by saying the words no chain of logic, you're, you're really, you're really batting a thousand here, right? You're really going, you're really throwing a Hail Mary out there because I think that there are quite a few links in the chain of logic, which could lead us to believe that when you have a fucking layover at a domestic airport in the United States of America, you are not putting your shit through x-ray again. Most of the time you aren't. Most of the time I can imagine you are parking it at a spot near an outlet opening up your laptop, pretending to do work for a little bit during a weekday, try to get some billable hours under your belt, and then hopping right back on a plane. Okay, you are not getting screened again. So so that was a bit of a Hail Mary. Okay, the, the, the phrase no chain of logic was a bit of a stretch. Okay, so Queen, like, let's like, let's like lower, lower your tone a little. Um, the court, okay, <clears throat> again, Called it, called it for the prosecution, unfortunately, on this point. They said, quote, the prosecution was not required to present direct evidence as to the events that occurred at Minneapolis airport during defendant's layover in order to meet its evidentiary burden. It is well established that the government, quote, does not need to rebut, oh, rebuttal pod, 
we love a we love a branding we love an in we love an in-text brand okay <laughs> it as well as on these types of motions okay when someone is basically convicted of a crime and then they file a motion for a judgment of acquittal on these motions the court's standard of review okay they the standard that they have to apply is okay was the evidence sufficient for a reasonable trier of fact to be able to prove and decide guilt beyond a reasonable doubt to render a guilty verdict with this evidence despite the layover evidence not being presented and and the court said yeah yeah this this evidence was sufficient court said quote contrary to defendant's contention that no evidence whatsoever was offered in relation to the layover at msp meaning minneapolis there is ample circumstantial evidence in the trial record to support the inference that defendant's layover at msp did not affect the unscreened nature of the bag he ultimately carried into lax circumstantial evidence is evidence okay it does not mean it is weaker evidence many people don't realize this Direct evidence would be literally someone testifying in court saying his shit was not screened. I watched him on the security footage the entire time he was at MSP. Absolutely no way was his back screened. He walked his ass on that plane. No back screened. Direct evidence. Circumstantial evidence can form the basis of a conviction. Okay? Not everything has to be direct evidence. Circumstantial evidence can come about from things like this. The evidence presented at this trial established that defendant used fraudulent diplomatic tr credentials to pass through a TSA security checkpoint with an unscreened bag at Midway for the purpose of boarding a morning flight from Midway to LAX. While defendant was on board his final flight to LAX, TSA officials at Midway contacted the FBI to inform them that the defendant was carrying an unscreened bag in his flight. Defendant subsequently landed at LAX after his GNT, of course, with the bag in his possession and, based upon witness testimony, entered certain sterile areas of Terminal 3. The jury also heard audio excerpts from defendant's interview with FBI authorities following his apprehension at LAX in which he repeatedly stated that he was a bona fide diplomat and had never been stopped at a TSA checkpoint before. That's a reminder to all of you to never fucking talk to the police unless you ask for a lawyer and you invoke your right to remain silent. You have to do this audibly, even if you are the most innocent person in the fucking world. You have to say, quote unquote, I am invoking and exercising my right to remain silent and I want an attorney. Say it clearly and then shut the fuck up. Thank you. In this case, right, that little audio recording of him being like, I'm a fucking ambassador, I swear, that would not have been in. That would not have been in if he had asked for a lawyer, but he did not. So here we are. The agents testified that defendant's pouch was secured with a lock and unable to be opened without a key. During the interview, the agents allowed defendant to call the purported ambassador for whom he claimed to work for on the phone, <laughs> his phone a friend. To provide authorization, quote-unquote, for the bad to be searched before you retreat the key. Piece of fucking real. <laughs> On balance, okay, all of the above, the court finds that all of that circumstantial evidence, okay, was sufficient to permit the jury to reasonably infer that defendant arrived at LAX with an unscreened fucking bag. He was committed to the bit. Look, I love a commitment. My entire life is a bit. So, look, listen. I'm not for, um, you know, committing felonies, but I am for keeping up appearances. He did not break character. And, and we love that for him. Not so much, not so much really now, um, but we can respect it. We can respect it. So, so the score is currently 0 and 2. Okay. First, we have the initial entry argument okay hey i entered at midway nope didn't work second is um where was the evidence about the layover mm, didn't work number three okay <laughs> so this is all about statutory interpretation which is all fucking boring for a lot of people but for some people like me it's kind of interesting the statute he was convicted under required that the government prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he one willingly and two knowingly Entered a sterile area of Terminal 3 at LAX. Willingly and knowingly. Those are two things. Two separate, beautiful, independent things. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Flint's lawyers argued that, number one, okay, <laughs> he didn't enter knowingly, knowingly enter, because, because those sterile areas at, at Terminal 3 at LAX, um, they didn't have signs. There, were no, there was no signage. There was no labels to, to really tell him, to inform him adequately that he was entering a sterile area of LAX. Mind you, like I said earlier, testimony by TSA agents, witnesses, et cetera, proved that sterile areas of LAX at Terminal 3 specifically include the plane, the tarmac, the boardwalk, all that. The moment those wheels hit home, that's sterile. So I'm not here to make waves or anything, but I feel like the signage issue might be one of those loopholes that that the court might not fuck with only because imagine literally everyone's seat lighting up with a sign the moment your wheels hit home at LAX saying you're up, you're in sterile as fuck. You've been sterile. Lies. Welcome to your sterile area. Like, please. So what'd the court say? Well, it's true <laughs> that the prosecutor did not present any evidence that signs or anything else informed Flint that he was entering a sterile area when he exited the plane into Terminal 3. Fair, but uh, but unfortunately, that subsection, that code section, okay, the sterile area section, does not require that signs inform a defendant of sterile areas in an airport in order to show they quote knowingly entered. In fact, section four six three one four c two of the United States Code explicitly states that the absence of posted signs near a sterile area does not preclude conviction quote an individual shall be subject to a penalty imposed under this section without regard to whether signs are displayed so obviously at some kind of committee board meeting moment when they were writing up all of these statutes about tsa regulations some brain in the audience raised their fucking hand and was like hey so i feel like people are gonna try to people are gonna try to say that we need to like have signs everywhere you know what i mean like, I feel like, I feel like that's like a kind of a, like a vibey loophole. I feel like that could work. Um, like in theory. So let's just say no signs need be permitted in order to be convicted under this fucking thing for entering a sterile area. Um, even if nobody knows what a sterile area really is. And everyone was like, period. Cause really, right. Even in the statute, the the term sterile area is kind of like a question mark. It's kind of just like, hey, like anywhere that's like regulated by like TSA. And then people are like, well, how are we supposed to know where? You just like have to know. Like you just have to know. You know what I mean? Like those that get it, get it. And those that don't, don't. <laughs> so <laughs> anything could be a sterile area. Anything could be a sterile area. The, we're not going to get into it. But for purposes of this case specifically, all the government needed to do because sterile the, the term sterile area is very much like whatever the T TSA basically fucking says it is. They just had to throw some TSA agents on the stand to say this is a fucking sterile area. No, there weren't signs, but we don't care. Um, the statute doesn't even require signs. So um, you knowingly you knowingly entered it because you knew what the vibes were and the vibes were off. <laughs> and the jury was like, period, the vibes, the vibes were off. And he totally knew that. And the defendant was like, no, that's not what happened. But the court ultimately, yep, agreed and said the relevant inquiry, okay, and whether Marboy Flint knew he was entering a sterile area was whether there was sufficient evidence beyond a reasonable doubt proving that defendant was aware that he was entering a sterile area and did not enter the area, quote, by mistake, ignorance, or accident. 
without regard to whether he was explicitly informed as to whether the areas were sterile. So in some, if you accidentally open a door that you're not allowed to go in that you think is a bathroom, but it's like totally the tarmac, you probably won't be charged with a felony under this section. Okay, you probably won't totally get the book thrown out your head. Um, so long as you can prove that it was a mistake that you just really had to pee your pants and that it totally looked like a bathroom. Okay. But for our boy Flint, okay, Flinty McFlint boy here, our boy Flint, our buddy Flint probably did not, probably did not enter Terminal 3 at LAX by mistake, ignorance or accident. No, no, indeed. Um, there, there was evidence that, that, that our boy Flint actually attempted to pass through a TSA security checkpoint first at O'Hare, on that fateful day, July 25th, July 20th, really, um, uh, uh, with a diplomatic, shitty laminated ID card, a courier letter that was typed up on, on a Mac, and a diplomatic pouch that was formerly a trapper keeper for a second grader. And, and they refused him. They said no, 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 no. And not only did they say no at O'Hara, they told him no and also nowhere else. Can you do that? They informed him that every national TSA has the same standard operating procedures outlining the requirement that you need a foreign diplomatic passport. So he was put on notice during his rejection at O'Hare. And then despite that, still drove over to, to Midway, did the whole song and dance, knowing that all the shit he was doing was incorrect and got through with the same fraudulent ID docs and pouch on that day on the 20th and then again 25th because who really wants just one swindle i love a twofer but you know what sometimes you just gotta quit while you're ahead you know what i mean if he would have he would have gotten away can you believe it neither can i don't do this by the way so that was the knowingly okay i was un he was unknowing allegedly okay he didn't know and number two, okay, it has to be willing. You have to willingly enter these sterile areas. He argues there was insufficient evidence to show his entry was voluntary at Terminal 3 at LAX because the law enforcement officials, the FBI, who escorted him off the plane, quote, controlled his movements. They picked his ass up and they escorted him off. There was no choice. There was no volunteering going on, right? It was not a raise your hand if you feel like it. It was a Simon Says and si what Simon Says goes, okay? They didn't even let him like stand up and stretch his legs. They rushed that plane. They, they said everyone remained fucking seated and they opened the door and they ran on and they were like, hi, get up. So... This isn't a crazy argument, right? This isn't crazy. Like, if he had even moved, like, even a smidgen of a toe toward, you know, the overhead the overhead bin, maybe I could say, oh, okay, like, that one little step. But literally, they took him out of his seat, okay? And, yeah, he went, he went like, cooperatively. He wasn't arguing. He wasn't fighting. But, like, what are you going to do at that point, right? There's really no way to go. I'm assuming it was a one, one entry, one exit type of plane, for boarding and unloading um would love if planes and, and airlines started boarding and, and unfucking loading what's that called deplaning boarding and deplaning from the front and back of the plane it feels like an efficiency an efficiency um movement that really hasn't been tapped into enough i don't see why it wouldn't be efficient I'm sure there's there's some fucking freakonomics dumb fucking video that'll tell me, um, actually, that's not efficient because I'm blah, 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 but like, look, I'm just trying to get our boy Flint to be able to turn around and go and flip a U-turn and run out the back of the plane, but he could not. So he got up and he walked out with those FBI agents. And so it was great for his lawyer, okay, his cooperativeness, because his lawyer was like, look, not voluntary, not willing. He was unwilling. Flint argued that his entry into a sterile area of Terminal 3 was only willful if the prosecutor could prove that it was voluntarily, wow, that it was voluntary, or in other words, the, quote, product of a voluntary act. Here, 
Okay, our boy Flynn said, that shit was not the product of a voluntary act. In fact, I was dragged off that plane. I was forced off that plane. I was intimidated off that plane. That was not my voluntary action. That was not my vibe. That was not my moment. That was not my choice. You all pulled me off of it. Um, so you controlled my movements. And actually, his, his lawyer argued, quote, officers jumped the gun by requiring him to get off the plane to escort him into the terminal. If they had just let me step around and warm up my legs a little before jumping my ass, then maybe it would have been voluntary, but it was not. In sum, this argument also failed because the government, the prosecution, presented evidence, undisputed evidence, that the defendant, our boy Flint, voluntarily boarded a plane at Midway on July 25th, 2017 with the purpose of landing at LAX, and on that same date, our boy Flint was, was on a plane that landed at the airfield at the Terminal 3 at LAX, a, a sterile area, if you will. So, so unfortunately, that means that the jury, the jury could have made the reasonable inference that defendant entered a sterile area of Terminal 3 at LAX while he was aboard the plane when it landed. <laughs> Since the entire airfield at Terminal 3 is sterile, as much as it can be. So... In saying this, right, in concluding this and saying, look, just because you weren't the legs, okay, on Fred Flintstone jetting the plane into the air and landing it itself doesn't mean that you are without fault. Doesn't mean that you are without consent. Doesn't mean that you didn't willfully enter that shit and let it happen. Another case that deals with this um, United States versus Londano Villa in 1991 where a man, okay, wasn't convicted, an individual was convicted of basically running drugs, okay, entering the U.S. With, with, with drugs in their possession on a plane. And the court in that holding said, quote, when a person carrying drugs voluntarily traveled on a plane that was scheduled to stop in the U.S., we see no reason why a jury may not infer that he or she knowingly or intentionally entered the United States with drugs. It seems obvious. It seems like a clear inference and connection, but these are still very viable, valid arguments for Flint, our buddy Flint's lawyers to be making, okay? Because it's fair to say that, hey, you need to prove for sure that that the end result was what he was intending and what actually happened and what he willfully consented to. Um, and yeah, he did. Here we are. Oh, for four. Because his ass was pulled off the plane. And our final argument for why this conviction should be overturned is that the TSA's standard operating procedures, okay, are super secret. They're super not available to the public. Um, and so why and how can I possibly be convicted of entering a sterile area of an airport in violation of those procedures if I don't even know what the fuck they are? Yeah. I won't go into too far about why this argument failed, but this argument, this argument failed because although, right, some, maybe even most, of TSA's rules and regs, their standard operating procedures may be super secret. Okay, maybe they're... Like, it's like, it's like, you know, looking at a Navy SEAL handbook probably isn't as easy as one would think, right? Like, like, I don't think we can, like, the regular public can just, like, see, like, what exactly every little nook and cranny of their standard daily life is about without having some kind of clearance. And so, and so Flint is arguing, okay, well, that shit was behind log and key. How am I supposed to know if I'm in violation? Well, unfortunately, what is public, okay, what is actually readily available to the public is that in some, no one, no one really, really can think that entering at least on three separate occasions um, or attempting to enter the sterile area of an airport with fraudulent credentials and a shitty laminated little diplomatic piece and, and crying about the Geneva Convention and the International Human Rights Con Commission. Um, no one can really say that that isn't that that isn't isn't one of those violations, right? And um, 
anybody that's wishing to travel or wishing to go around in the sky can most definitely find out online through publicly available regs posted there that that shit is not a vibe that that is probably a violation that that probably is giving felony right so (laughs) so the court in in conclusion and a final roundup get up says at the end Unfortunately, our boy is 0 for 5 on his arguments to get his conviction overturned. Quote, contrary to our boy Flint's contention, both the trial record and final jury instructions establish that defendant's indictment and conviction were based upon the violation of security requirements that are and have always been readily available to the public. So, the takeaways here, okay, the rebuttal from Reb on this one is that (laughs) if you're going to try to launder money for a cartel, for a drug operation. It would behoove you to use a laminator for your fraudulent documents that doesn't come from a second grade grade classroom and doesn't make you and TSA look like an asshole. And also don't do that don't run drug money anywhere, especially not on our on our planes, our trains, or our automobiles. But if you're going to do it, wear a stupid suit and a dumb hat about it. And then maybe you'll be featured on Rebuttal. This has been episode one of the Rebuttal podcast. You can follow us on instagram at rebuttal pod you can follow us on twitter at rebuttal pod you can follow me reb mazel on twitter tiktok instagram at reb mazel i will be posting clips everywhere thank you so much for listening for joining and again we'll see you next time to hear another rebuttal from your girl Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.